This Cup of Earl Grey is brought to you by Audible.com, offering more than 150,000 titles for iPhone, iPad, and iPod, Android, Kindle, Windows Phone, plus Mac or PC. To get a free audiobook of your choice, visit audibletrial.com slash trek.fm. Plus, if you would like to support our programming personally, visit trek.fm slash donate to get our alien badges and art prints featuring original illustrations by Toba Ushi. This is Houston Huddleston from New Starship, and I'm restoring the Enterprise D Bridge, and you're listening to Trek FM. T. Earl Grey, hot. It's time for another serving of Earl Grey, our dedicated TNG show. I'm Darren Moser, sitting in the center chair this week. I'm joined by my co-host Daniel Prue, sitting at Tactical, and Philip Gilfus at Ops. We are the Borg. Lower your shields and surrender your ships. We will add your biological and technological distinctiveness to our own. Daniel, raise, raise the shields. Philip, rotate the phaser frequencies. Use the upper EM band. Keep them guessing. Don't, don't give them a chance to adapt. Is it, is it working? Is, is it... Is, is is it working? Oh, oh, it's okay. It was just one of Mr. Worf's like pranks, you know, sensor pranks. Uh, we're actually fine. Uh, false alarm, everyone. Wait, is this your, is this your new thing of of doing battle drills in order to make us like you more? We told you that doesn't work. I, I thought you would enjoy it when I shifted to a four shift rotation, but everyone just seems to be unhappy. It's too many shifts. Uh, it's too many shifts. We just like three shifts. Let's just leave it there. Fine. Okay. Five shifts. Okay. There are five shifts. <laughs> all five shifts. <laughs> and is it Dan or Daniel? <laughs> One is my name. The other is not. <laughs> well, today on Earl Grey, we'll be talking about what some would say is the most deadly foe in the next generation, the Borg. Uh, they might tra- try to take over this podcast. I wouldn't let him. So, uh, actually, this was inspired by our one of our sister podcasts, To the Journey. To the Journey! Where they covered their aspect of the Borg as far as Voyager was concerned. But the Borg, even though they were, some would say, overused in Voyager, they were originated right here as the big bad of TNG. So, we're going to start off with the Borg's goals. Uh, you know, when... The Borg are introduced. It's in the season two episode Q Who. Uh, one of I think that's the first one where we get the great Q based pun titles. Uh, hide and Q, nope. Hide and Q. Hide and Q, yeah. Oh, hide and Q. So the second one where we have uh, they're, they're just keeping it going. I think originally the pilot was going to be called Encounter at Q Point. So, but <laughs> never mind. No, you can't use the rejected titles of our first episode, Philip. That doesn't that doesn't work. <laughs> but anyway, Q flings the Enterprise with a flick of his finger all the way over into system J25 where they encounter the Borg. Now, these Borg are very different from Borg we would later see. Uh they were very very pale, but more in a data pasty makeup sort of way, and they definitely seem to have a a different objective because their objective seems at least as uh, John Delancey points out or as Q points out, they don't seem to be interested in assimilation. They just seem to be interested in technology, like almost as if 
oh look look at that handsome you know handsome ship right there hey let's i'd love to beam over to that oh it has people on it who cares but what do you guys think of the the change that we would later see in the borg's behavior from pure technology driven to assimilate this yeah, I, I, and it's funny you you bring that up. I've actually never thought about that, but but you're you are right there in, in uh, Q Who, um, which which I think is like in every season of Next Generation is the ship flung away to another part of space. I think every season, but anyway, um, it seems like it. The the writers had a tally mark on the on the on the wall, and every you know Brian must suffer and the ship must get flung at least halfway across the galaxy and back within the same episode. But you know, come on. Come on, Voyager. It was flung in, in a, when the bell breaks in season one, where no one has gone before season one. I mean, I, don't know. I have to make the list here. So I'm going to make that list. But but yeah, yeah, you're right. Um, yeah, ship being flung to the Delta Quadrant, that would definitely make a good story. But um, yeah, no, in, 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 in Q, <laughs> you're right. I've never thought about that. The, the Borg, you know, as, as Q said, just interested in technology. Basically, they just want to harvest new technology. That's all they care about. No, I've never thought about that. That is interesting. I, I just watched Q Who um, this week, and it, it is very it's it stands in very stark contrast to to what we know of the Borg later on in TNG. Like, you know, the, they shoot the one Borg in engineering after Picard tells Worf, and Worf's like, Worf's like, I'm not doing it. So he gives it to Ensign No Name behind him to do yeah. it. It's like it's it's past the buck right there. <laughs> yeah. Worf's like, you know, fire phasers. Worf's like fire phasers. <laughs> and the, the Ensign's like firing phasers, <laughs> and then promptly gets thrown across the room. Yeah, and uh, and and then the other Borg shows up and just starts like taking pieces off of him. Like it's yeah, it's like really weird. Like and there's no like you mentioned no mention of assimilation, and. Um, but it's only one episode that we get it, that we get this like technology obsessed Borg until they become more of like a perfection obsessed Borg. I guess we don't really know that until later on, but that they're trying to complete themselves, I guess. Um, so it doesn't bother me too much. Uh, it's it's just kind of a strange anomaly. There's a hole in their heart that only technology can. Yes, Borg <laughs> are the Jerry Maguire of you complete me. <laughs> <laughs> Well, I, I think one one cool thing about the Borg that you mentioned with the the, the self destruct or or whatever you want to call it function, you know, I think the Borg are basically the modern version. Like they're basically begging to make a video game. You know, you play a video game, you shoot the bad guy, <laughs> they just disappear. See, and that's what happens in real life with the Borg. You kill a Borg, they just whoosh, and then you're done. And I think they leave some coins behind, possibly, but that's about it. We have that nasty stain in the carpet that Argyle <laughs> has to clean out. But you know, besides that, that ship cleans itself. Yeah, this is season two. Argyle is way past gone at this point. That's right. We, we've promoted Lieutenant Junior Grade to uh, Chief Engineer. <laughs> well, the other interesting aspect about you know Q who is oh he, he's a he's a he's a godlike creature who appeared in the pilot. <laughs> um, yeah, that's who Q is. Oh, I see is it like there. Q? Is it like the Doctor? It's like we don't say his name. He doesn't have a name. It's just Q or the Q. Exactly. You know. <laughs> Uh, anyway, but it's interesting how mysterious the Borg are in this episode. And thank goodness we had Guinan with us. Otherwise we would have known nothing about these guys. But, but then I was just thinking in contrast to the next time they show up in best of both worlds where it's all, we are the Borg. Oh, thanks for introducing yourselves now. Uh, that would have been great on the first encounter, but no, you just had to, you know, you're, you're. Defensive has been analyzed. You 
we will own you noobs (laughs) basically there that's basically their opening line right there and another thing is too that you know i don't know if we wanted to bring it up but like in the neutral zone you know early on earlier on when tmg is actually oh yeah is kind of building to it like the borg like apparently scoop entire like cities and civilizations off the ground and like like Someone needs to make a T-shirt of a Borg cube with like a backhoe arm <laughs> coming out of it, like like a Tonka truck backhoe arm that's ready to just scoop. You know, well, that's my ice cream scoop. It's like it has a Borg ship connected to it. That's how. Oh. I, is that like the that's Enterprise Pizza Borg cutter? Spheres. Exactly. <laughs> you take a scoop and you scoop a cube and you get a Borg sphere. <laughs> but yeah, so like we get these like differing motive. You know, early on, especially in Q Who, obviously in Q Who, we get this. Like you can tell, it's 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 not where it wasn't a fully fleshed out idea. Like they were just like, we're going to introduce these people, and then maybe kind of later on fill them out a little bit more, which is what we see in Best of Both Worlds done brilliantly. In Q Who, it's more like there's this really big menace. We've kind of alluded to this before, but here they are, and we want to show you, hey, there are things out there that our crew is not ready to deal with. Yeah, I think the just getting to the basics of it. I mean, the Borg is the ultimate enemy. Um, I mean, obviously, there's so much we can talk about, but I think with the Q-Who, I mean, that whole episode is very interesting um, where, you know, Q wants to be a member of the crew, and McCard's like, go away, even though we're out to explore strange new worlds, and I'm telling this big, powerful thing to go away. But anyway. He'd pretty much invite any other alien onto the ship but you. (laughs) That's how much we despise you. But, but, you know, here it is, the Borg. They don't care about diplomacy because, you know, that's the whole TNG, right? You know, oh, TNG is just Picard talking people to death. But, but, you know, here's one where you can't talk to them. You can't reason with them. They just want to take, destroy, and that's, that's the Borg. And... And I, and I think that this actually Q who, you know, when the first encounter with the Borg almost reminds me of like Enterprise because it's like, oh, well, we're in a new sector of yeah. space. Let's start exploring. Let's say hi. Let's, How y'all doing? Here's a postage stamp with my uh, the coordinates of our whole world. <laughs> would you be would you accept my friend request new alien that I just met? <laughs> but yeah. but the, no, that's very true. It, there are a lot of parallels. Uh, and And then I think the, you know, the fact that. Not not the episode exactly. parallels, but which did but, have the know, board the parallels with it. A reference yeah. in it um, <laughs> with Riker super exactly. Beard. But but you know with that end of Q who where you have them destroying how many people died? Um, I think eighteen. Eighteen and and they carved out that piece of the whole. Forty seven grabbed it, which no, that, was, that was awesome. Yeah, yeah, and I mean, and this was sort of like I mean, I don't think we really had major casualty fatalities on TNG before, but this is like, this is not fake. I mean, that, that whole wonderful speech by Q at the end, you know, cards like, did we really have to have this cost? And Q's like, Hey, it's not safe out here. You can't take a little, you can't take a bloody nose, go back home where it's safe. And, and I think that's sort of like, you know, we kind of think of TNG as being, you know, very, you know, optimistic, but this one was like, there are bad things out there and we will have to deal with that. Well, because I think, I think, you know, you have the board cube, introduced and you have you know the enterprise you know shooting every weapon which is one of those cool shots you actually see the enterprise shooting all of its weapons and you know the borg cube is damaged but then it just keeps on going and keeps on going like q said and i mean to me and i know we'll, we'll talk about other episodes here in a second but like you know it's the ultimate enemy and they just keep coming and, and that was one borg cube you know 
at least with Q Who, yeah. who knows if there? What if there's a fleet of this? <laughs> I mean, we'd be so so in trouble. I know. I mean, it's not like we would be some sort of tiny Federation ship in the middle of hundreds of cubes and somehow survive. <laughs> that would be ridiculous. I, I, if I was a Borg tactical drone, I think what I would do is I would uh, let's see, let's see, one, two, three, uh, let's see, nine. I don't know. I can't, I can't do the mental math, but I would bring enough cubes where I could literally make a giant cube around the Enterprise, like, and just surround it on all sides. And it could literally, and then just assemble Is this like it. The, the Power Ranger version of the Borg? <laughs> but, no, well, they, they, like a Megazord cube, tactical you know. cube. But that's the thing. I mean, that's the thing that, that, you know, Voyager does wrong with the Borg. And that's the thing about the Borg. It's like, it literally takes. Like the Borg, the one Borg cube in Best of Both Worlds comes in and takes out all of Earth's defense forces, and in Wolf Three Five Nine, it takes it destroys the whole fleet, and it's like this makes no sense. Like, and and then all of a sudden we learn that there are different kinds of cubes that are even more powerful. You enter their space and you actually expect to get through. Yeah. I mean, it's absurd. It's absurd. Well, it reminds me of like the beginning of First Contact, where like Riker's like, "How many cubes?" and they're like, "One." There's always one. Why would there be more than one? <laughs> yeah. It's either zero or one. That's how the cube <laughs> operates. <laughs> well, yeah. So it's a great introduction to a character very full of mystery, and you know, and again, a, a great reason to watch season one because you get. Q introduced and all of his tricksterness and you would have missed that if this was your first uh if you had uh, caught that moving on to the main i think episode where the borg are featured has to definitely be the best of both worlds part one and part two which dun, 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 is literally dun, only the dun, second dun, time dun, 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 dun. <laughs> it's only the second time that these villains come back but it's been long enough i mean this was kind of mid season two that they were first introduced and it's not till end of season three the finale of season three that they come back yeah and the interesting thing that actually goes throughout the star trek franchise of um you know through all the series is that in a weird way we have to thank q um for introducing us to the borg so I think it cuts both ways because, like, did they know about us because of that encounter? But anyway, but that, you know, we had time to prepare. You know, what little good it did us, right? Um, in the end, but you know, it that we had time to prepare. So I mean, we still weren't ready by the time the best of both worlds came along. But but you had at least Shelby, you know, who uh, who who got those admirals out of the way and set things right and got the task force going. Got us on track. Yes. Send a subspace message well, to Admiral Hansen. We have engaged the Borg. Well, it's it's such a quotable episode too. I mean, there's so many great, you know, great lines coming out of it. You know, some weird, weird lines, you know. But <laughs> well, and another interesting point is, I, I I won't go to say that this is the first time in television history, but definitely in in Star Trek, and and you after this, you definitely saw more of this pop up. But the whole cliffhanger end of a season to the beginning of the next season. I mean, it was, I mean, obviously not the first time, but just eloquently done in this, in this episode where, you know, I mean, we, we love that end moment so much. We put it at the end of every episode of Earl Grey. And that's just, I mean, that's been one of the best things about the, the, the Blu-ray releases is you just hear all this great backstory of that summer, the summer between season three and season four, 
of next gen and how everyone was just losing their minds over the fact that Picard was a Borg and Riker was shooting at he him. He is a Borg. But yeah, I mean, I think, you know, the best of both worlds are certainly cemented. Like, it was funny, you, I don't know if you meant to say this on purpose, Darren, but you said this character and not characters. You know, what are the Borg? Are they, is that one character? Because, you know, mm. is that collective consciousness and just one? But I mean, and there's some, I mean, I think really to me, the Borg, oh, not to me, I'm sure to many people, the Borg are really the scariest villain for so many reasons. One is that they're faceless. I mean, yes, you see the, the drones and the, and the whatever, yeah. but it's an idea. I mean, if you want to use like the, the metaphor yeah. of terrorism or whatever, but like it's not just yeah. one being or one, one you know, government or one, even the Borg Queen, when we want to talk about that, is just the idea <laughs> of the Borg. You know, that's the enemy and you can't destroy an idea. And they just, I think it's the other big aspect of that is they are removing our humanity at a basic level. They're our individuality. Yeah, because that's that's the threat. I mean, you know, the Klingons or the Cardassians, they might torture you or kill you or whatever, but the Borg will keep you whole, but they'll scoop out your insides and, and turn you with against them. With their ice them. cream yes, scoop. With their mental ice cream scoop and turn you pale. Um, and And I think, obviously, what... Jean-Luc went through as Locutus and and obviously they took assimilation throughout the the Star Trek series is um I mean that's that's really 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 powerful I mean not to get too serious and on down note but that I mean that's so you know what what Picard went through that's pretty powerful not to be too you know too uh, crass about it I guess but it's it's essentially mind rape that's what we're that's what we're told is what it is right I mean it's it's someone forcibly taking who you are outside of you removing it and then and then just sending you on your way now you you know you are no longer who you were you do what we want you to do you but you're still there kind of in a way and it's and we're turning you against your friends and your family and you have no choice but to comply yeah, to, to turn a phrase. Because um, it's interesting because I think the Borg myth, I don't know if it changed or whatever throughout, um, you know, a little DS9, but not really, but between TNG and Voyager about what does it mean to be a Borg? Because at least what we know from Locutus and Picard is that he remembers everything, um, that he was still yeah. there, even though, you know, the Borg were giving him the directions and he was Locutus. And in family, he's like, you know, I was there and I tried to fight them, but I couldn't. I wasn't strong enough, but they made me do it. And they took everything I had. And, and just, I mean, it's, it's, that's the worst villain out there. I mean, shoot, you shoot, shoot me with a Klingon disruptor, but assimilating me, I mean, that's. <laughs> shoot me with a Verdon T disruptor. <laughs> exactly. I mean, I'll take that over assimilation. And isn't it interesting, Picard, you know, mentions I wasn't strong enough, but, but Picard is the only Borg that we ever see ever, even including Voyager and everything, that actually shows human emotion when he's a Borg, right? Like in the, in Best of Both Worlds two, when he has that tear, when he like he knows what he's doing, he 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 is being complete, but he's like completely aware of what's happening, but also completely helpless to stop it. But it's interesting, uh-huh. I think, that he is the only person that we ever see do that. I thought it was something about littering, an anti-littering message he was doing there. But anyway, um, <laughs> everyone who lived in the 70s is laughing. Um, you know, it's also the fact that he is he is Picard. I mean, and Picard at that point, you know, was a – I wouldn't say he was the most beloved character, but 
I've heard it said that this really uh, bonded the the fan base with Picard because they got to see him as a person with flaws and with a struggle. And before he was just, you know, the diplomat, the bald guy, you know, and now he's the man who's gone. Yeah. The British Frenchman who's gone through something, something terrible. And we've watched him go through it. And afterwards you just, you know, you just want to give him a cup of tea. (laughs) And and it's interesting again, how the, the Borg mythos has changed and and for better, for ill, I'll, I'll let others debate. Um, cause you know, once we got to first contact, even, you know, so we, we, we still did it in the TNG verse, but you know, first contact and under Voyager where it's just sort of instant assimilation, you know, the tubes go in your neck and you're Borg like that. But we saw with Locutus, he basically had two phases. He basically has that pre-assimilation or yeah. assimilation phase one. And the, the tier part was sort of assimilation phase two. When you saw the drill going in his head and his color changes pale, which is usually my color. Um, and, you know, the arm being at... Are you a Borg, Philip? I'm not, not a Borg. Um, and, <laughs> you know, the arm gets attached and all that. So, but yeah, I mean, just the the powerful... And again, not to, to, to linger on it, but like, you know, the nightmares that stayed with him and and that, you know, this this didn't go away the next episode or the next season or the next movie. No, you're right. And that transition i mean we've spoken before how you know family is almost the unofficial trilogy of the best of both worlds because it directly deals with the aftermath and especially with picard just dealing with i mean overall he recovers remarkably fast for what he's gone through and and then we also see not just to tie the bow with everyone um and i'll lean on daniel for this one um in the ds9 emissary how others perceive him with the Cisco, mm. um, you know, when they meet for the first time, because all Cisco can see, it's been a while, so I'm leaning on you. All Cisco can see is Lucutus before him. Yeah. Oh, I, I love that part of Emissary. Yeah, it's great. I mean, he totally obviously blames, and rightfully or not so, but he blames Picard for everything that happened there, which makes sense because, it was his knowledge. It was his experience. It was what he knew and what whatever what was in his head that caused the deaths of thousands of thousands of people. No, it's true, and it and I mean the blame is his, yet it wasn't his fault. I mean it's it's that double life's not fair, <laughs> you know, standard of, and that's definitely something that Picard has to live. And with. then that that moment in the drumhead during that interrogation and then the question just stops and then sati just goes have you fully recovered from the borg <laughs> and he's like so defense yes i have fully he's recovered like, even from the borg. <laughs> yes. but but to be fair we do find out in first contact that he has not fully recovered <laughs> from the borg so well moving on to the next instance of the borg is uh at the following season in Season five, we have iBorg. No, it is not Steve Jobs' latest product release. Uh, it is Hugh, the, one of the first Borgs we've seen, uh, as you know, aside from Picard, who has a Ooh. name. Uh, <laughs> and uh, and I mean, Jordy just didn't listen to the first rule of pet ownership: don't give it a name because as soon as you give it a name, you get attached. It's the lobster and then, effect. Oh, it's just down downhill from there. But this is such an interesting episode because, I mean, one, just the acting by 
by the the character of Hugh is just is great. I mean, he's really the first Borg we see acting. I mean, I'm not counting Picard just because that's Picard acting to be a Borg or or Patrick Stewart as it were, but this is you know, this is pulling off the layers of the Borg but in a good way. Like they're still acting the way they should be. They're not changing themselves. It's just this is what a Borg separated from the collective would be like. They're scared, you know, they're but but they're but they're not they're not upset about their life. They're like, this is just what I am. This is just what I do. Like I let me go back. It's it's such a fascinating episode because we do get to see like you know, and a, and a lot of the focus is clearly on Jordy and Picard and how they interact with with him. But we get to see like all of the characters, well, not all of them, but a lot of the characters, and how you know we we see Guinan's response, we see uh, we see Beverly's response, we see obviously Picard and Jordy's response. We see like we get a whole sense of how all of these different characters have to interact with the Borg, and it's really really interesting. It's it's a really really well done episode i think like it is one of the few times where you kind of peel back a little bit of the mystery of the big baddie and it's not harmful to them in any way it it doesn't dis- it doesn't demystify them it doesn't like lower their threatening level i think it's it's very effective at that yeah i think one of the things that i know to the journey talked about with their to the journey, to the journey. With uh, their Voyager episode, because um, even they, they admitted, you know, perhaps a little too overused. I mean, other than Seven of Nine, you can't say she was overused because she's a main character. But um, it, I think the tricky parts, when you have such a big baddie like the Borg, I mean, the part of their scariness, like you said, is the unknown. We, they're just this big enemy. They assimilate you. They destroy you. That's all we know. We They don't have any subsystems. They don't have any political, economic, social structures. We don't know anything about them. And then once, I mean, the danger is once you learn more, then things become less scary. You know, it's turning on the the light at night. So you see what's in the closet or under the bed, you know, once you see it. Well, the trick is revealing just enough so you realize it's actually much, much worse. (laughs) (laughs) But not too much. Well, and that's a good point uh, that I'd forgotten to, to circle back on. You know, this is... This is a villain that was almost designed for Kirk, but because it went up against Picard, it made it that much more powerful. Because think about it, it like you just said, it's a villain that doesn't have an agenda, doesn't want power, just wants to attack you. What would Kirk do? He would shoot it. He'd immediately attack it. He would just go full bore on it. But because it's encountered by Picard, who is the diplomat, who is you know, the negotiator and the maker of first contact, like he he is, he is out of water in this scenario because his strengths are not, are are pretty much voided by this enemy. Well, I I know standard orbit folks would probably say that Kirk would just talk it to death, but um, yeah, because I I think with the Borg, I think the way TNG uses the Borg and, and perhaps the other series too, is that, you know, what, when you're faced, and we've talked about this a little bit before, but the, this is, these are the great moral questions, you know. Mm. Um, I'm trying to think of like the West Wing, you know, their days with an absolute light and an absolute, absolute wrong, and those days always end in body counts. But, you know, the, but there's still a lot of gray here, shades of gray, um, because <laughs> when you're dealing with the Borg, Picard again and again, and even Janeway. Like the Borg's gray exactly. skin. <laughs> um, even Janeway has to make these decisions, but Picard has to, you know, how far am I going to go? 
am I going to stay to the principles of the Federation or do we throw out the rule book because these people could overtake our society? Do I inject you with this virus? Do I use weapons of mass destruction to annihilate or to commit genocide? You know, what's acceptable when you're faced with, with, you know, if you want to say terrorism or whatever, but with this big enemy that, that has no face, that has no purpose, that has no negotiation. And it's so interesting because I Borg is, it, it is TNG's version of in the pale moonlight. It really is. And it's like, you know, pe- mm. people don't see it that way a lot of the times because Picard makes a very different decision than Cisco does in that episode. And lots of t- I love that episode in Deep Space Nine, but it's, it just shows the differences of philosophy between this is TNG real. and Deep Space Nine. <laughs> it's, you are an individual it's not a fake that's, that's great daniel i'm just now totally picturing that episode of i borg with picard starting in his ready room or in his quarters giving a dictation to the computer and talking about his interaction with the borg oh i'm getting chills like that would be awesome if that's the direction it had gone I think one of the most interesting things, and I've heard it said this either you know, bad or good, so I, I assume there's a little controversy here, about Guinan's reaction. Because we have basically mm. Guinan being the race, racist Wesley in this episode, you know, about, you know, how do I deal with this thing, Hugh, who destroyed, literally destroyed my civilization, my people, scattered us throughout, you know, like the like the seven tribes or whatever, you know here's a thing and why should I respect it? Why should I understand it? It's a thing that kills. And yet she has to be, you know, cause she's always the understanding person who, who's providing the way for every other member, but now she's in that position. And then some people say like, oh, I don't know if that's whatever, but, but it's, it's certainly an interesting aspect to see Guinan have to confront her, you know, feelings. It, I mean, to me, it just shows that Guinan is, is like mysterious and and you know as as much as we don't know about her she's still a person and like her her entire race was decimated by the Borg and like that's a fairly traumatic thing to have to go through and you know they're scattered across the universe their homeworld was destroyed and so I, I I agree with you like Guinan of all people should probably be above that kind of attitude but on the other hand, she's gone through something that most people have not, I think. I mean, she stabs Q with a fork, so she still has some issues with a lot of things. <laughs> now, the the final episode that features the Borg in The Next Generation is, again, uh, a season six slash season seven two-parter of Descent. And we get uh, probably the, I would say, the weakest of the Borg episodes in TNG because it's more of a data Borg or data know, lore lore. <laughs> yeah. It's a data Borg lore all kind of thrown together. And this is when you started peeling a little bit too much away. I mean, I, I picture when you, I, I picture that scene of the, the Borg, you know, in the little catacombs and they're kind of all, you know, dysfunctional and shorting out because of the experiments that lore has been giving. And, and by then, all of a sudden the Borg just aren't as scary quite as much like that. They just, I don't know it there. I mean, well, one, they, they don't show up in, you know, a cube, you know, they're not, you know, 
that, 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 that's like their that's their thing. What, what shape do you even call that? <laughs> that's a drunk cube. <laughs> a drunk. I just actually just watched this these two episodes on my rewatch like last week, and I agree with. I mean, I definitely agree. I don't like these episodes hardly at all. There's 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 not a lot that I like about it except the fact that. What I love about this episode, I think it's amazing that we should talk about, is the fact that the TNG crew goes to the command center where Zordon and Alpha 5 are, um, which I think a lot of people will but Oh, yeah. It's such uh, a great use of that building. (laughs) It is. Um, But, uh, I mean, I don't think it devalues the Borg at all because we're told very clearly that it's a splinter cell faction whatever which i guess kind of in a way does to to devalue the borg because they're not supposed to have those kinds of things you're you're seeing the borg bleed and once you see your enemy bleed it it's it kind of starts to change the way you view them in your mind like before the borg had just been this unstoppable force and yes they could be attacked and yes they could be slowed down and even destroyed but but there's just going to be another cube. Like how, how do you go about, I mean, who would even consider trying to destroy the entire Borg race? Like that's just, it's just would never happen. Right. <laughs> oh yeah. Yeah. I mean, again, I think I like certainly I like descent, um, you know, cause I know some people don't like it, but I would say to people who, who uh, hate on Voyager, we ruined the Borg first. So leave Voyager alone. <laughs> oh, um, but no, I'm just joking. But yeah, I mean, I, I think that, I mean, that's the power of the Borg. Once you make them individuals, then they're just, you know, aliens with robot arms and red light pointer eyes. And they're not even in a, like a shock group of, you know, enhanced humanoids. they, they they don't know how to do anything together. So when they're individuals, like it's not even just that there are many of them or even that they're enhanced. It's that they're connected without that connection. They are nothing. Yeah. And it's, it's also like zombies, like the Borg part of their, their threat comes from the volume of Borg that there are. Like it's the fact that you can shoot 15 of them and there are still going to be 1500 of them behind them that you can't do anything about them. That's the problem. So when you're dealing with a splinter cell of uh, a few dozen Borg, like, eh, whatever. It's not really very threatening. How much more interesting would The Walking Dead be if the zombies adapted? The shotgun's not working anymore. They've adapted. (laughs) They've adapted. That's true. That's another wrinkle in the Borg is, yes, you could kill 15, but then the 16th one is adapted, and that one could take you out because you can't shoot him now. Except unless you have a machine gun. Uh, that's true, but I mean, I'm sure they could eventually. Uh, let's just uh, a holographic machine gun. So, as after this uh, descent, the next time we do see the Borg is in first contact. But we're gonna we're gonna jump over that to you know the series that really carried the Borg. Uh, well, let's say they carried them the rest of the way <laughs> through their their life as a villain on Star Trek, but. Voyager Borg versus TNG Borg. Again, I, I highly recommend listening to uh, to the journey for their episode on the Borg because they do cover it uh, much better than we could in in how Voyager interacts with this species. But I think the biggest difference, besides the way that they act, uh, is um, and you know their cube shopping 
because apparently the, there's a boutique of cubes that just spits out all sorts of different configurations and designs. Congratulations, but, you've leveled up. You uh, can now get access to a new cube. Yeah. Would you like to upgrade to a tactical cube? <laughs> or how about one that looks like a big torpedo? But is I think the biggest difference, though, which again was brought from TNG, uh, be it the movies, is the look. Uh, the the Borg in even Descent, which is several years later and probably with a, a bit more of a budget as it is a two-parter um, that was most likely shot all at once. The Borg are still just kind of the pasty wetsuit guys. You know, they just they, there's more of them and you're, you're able to see more, you know, variation. But they just man, there's something, though, about that sticky skin like everyone got a freaking red laser after first contact bolted to their head that was like they found a cache of red lasers in a in a in a system that they uh, assimilated and everyone got one bolted to their head but i think visually though what do you guys think of the visual change in in voyager first contact borg well, I think Tristan put uh, in into the journey put put an interesting theory which I'd never thought about. Uh, I don't know if I agree with him, but I, th- I think it's interesting to think about. Where he 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 his belief or in his head canon was that TNG Borg are sort of like one phase of the Borg, and they sort of evolved to the look of First Contact and Voyager, which I never thought about that because he's saying like you know if you go back into the, to the past, you know, and showed previous Borg, they would look like TNG Borg, which I never thought about. I just thought, yeah, you know, budget, money. Well, except for they didn't look like TNG Borg in Enterprise. Except that they, they were they first have, contact Borg. That, so that's not, yeah. Oh, that's true. That's true. So, oh, time, I don't like thinking about time travel. It just, it <laughs> gives me, Don't gives think me about that episode because it's going to get you a real big headache. But but I mean, I I, uh, I don't know. To me, I you know once of course once you see first contact in Voyager Borg, you get spoiled and it's hard to look back at Q. And and but, I, but it, it never bothered me. And of course, I mean, I maybe I just have suspension of disbelief and all that stuff. But um, yeah, I, I I definitely think you know because there's no identity right with the Borg. That's what makes them so scary. They're just white and black and robot arms and red lights and that's it and i think you know once you go towards the assimilation and you can see which species was assimilated it's cool but i mean and again i don't know if we if we're going to argue that the borg mythos stayed constant and try to mishmash this all together or just say like yeah they changed their minds because like for instance in best of both worlds we saw maturation chambers little baby borg right well we do know that you know there are baby borg that uh, also joined the true of the intrepid voyager <laughs> but yeah i think i think that's a big difference though because in in q who they're still figuring out this species they're still the writers are still developing this but they're smart and they don't explain everything i mean they didn't find a book on the borg that is just sitting there on a coffee table i mean even with Guinan. you know i was surprised she hadn't jumped into an escape pod by the time they said oh we're gonna beam over there I would have been like, what? Get me out of here. This is ridiculous. These, you don't even understand what these people can do. But, uh, yeah. <laughs> yeah, I mean, to me, there's there's just never been... I mean, I don't know. Would you? I would say that they're the scariest um, enemy in all of Star Trek. And I don't know, maybe someone else would, would argue against that. But, I mean, I think, you know, that's, the, pen, that's the, the biggest enemy ever, ever in Star Trek. I mean, you can't... I was going to say you can't beat the Borg. Obviously, the captains in Species 8472 have. But, I mean, you know, you can't uh, beat, beat the Borg. So, uh, 
this isn't this isn't the to the journey podcast though so we don't have to talk about that um yeah no i mean i do i do actually think that i think that the borg are star trek's um like joker or or lex luthor like i think Mm. that they that they are the 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 race and the being and the concept that can come back time and time again even after being defeat quote-unquote defeated they can come back time and time again and actually pose a real threat and be a consistent it's called regeneration (laughs) (laughs) i I think um i agree i like uh, i i i do i think it's it's the best enemy concept that that star trek has ever come up with and i think that uh, you know when the next time we see star trek i hope that we we see more board for sure yeah, because I, mean, I mean, I think that's really did one of the things that is ingrained in TNG. Because like TOS, it's Klingons and Kirk and fought phasers, but I think TNG is you know we, which I, Voyager continued it, and that's fine. But we're the ones who did. Resistance is futile. You will be assimilated, and and you know all the stuff with first contact and the Borg Queen and all that stuff. But I mean, that that is TNG is the Borg, even though they appeared like you that's said in three, depending how you count it, four episodes, and then the movie. No, that's very true. I mean, TNG established the mythos of the Borg and, you know, like any good mythos, it was expanded upon and, and, you know, changed and, uh, you know, drawn together. But I think that core, uh, from, you know, from, like you said, from you will be assimilated to, you know, I am Lacutus, I think, uh, it's, it definitely was better than the Ferengi. Let's just, yeah, <laughs> let's just say that. I think, <laughs> I think we need to thank the Ferengi for being such a terrible, terrible season one villain that they just had to go back to the drawing board and come up with something way better. And boy, did they. Well, it's been interesting talking about the Borg, but this is just one of the many topics we've been talking about here on Trek FM this week. Here's a quick look at what you may have missed elsewhere on the network. Previously on Trek.FM, Standard Orbit. <laughs> Pitching a piece of the action movie. I think we can definitely might, say that the they might go that the that, Transformers though. planet doesn't work. They might go for that. Would you go for that, Drew? I mean, personally, I would shy away from it because then you'd be or would you be, shy uh, away? It would from be it. you're a bad person. <laughs> Earl Grey, William T. Riker. Imagine now if he'd come back with a goatee or mutton chops. We could have been a very different Riker. Hipster Riker. Number one, are you wearing glasses? <laughs> no, it's Jordy's visor. I just... <laughs> I'm reading a pad that you've never heard of before. The Ready Room. Inside a lot Time with Mark Cushman. But something else that you'll find out in book two is that they almost didn't have Leonard Nimoy and Mr. Spock for season two of Star Trek. Uh, his agent wanted more money for Leonard and for good reason because when he signed on to do the series he was supposed to be uh, a supporting actor and yet he was getting more fan mail than even William Shatner who was the star of the show yet uh, only a fraction of the money The Orb Cisco comparing First Contact to dating girls felt like something that Kirk would do as well, you know, teaching Charlie Evans about girls and Charlie X, something like that. To the journey! Voyager on Blu-ray. I know that there's been some outtakes done because you can find clips of them on YouTube, Mm -hmm. but there's got to be more. And I want to see them all. Warp 5. Andorians on Enterprise. 
And so they took this idea where they had mm-hmm. antenna and they took this idea where they were blue and from someplace cold, or I don't even know if they were someplace cold when they were on the, the TOS. And they, they, they just made everything better. Commentary, Trek stars. Iris Steven Bear recap. I think when you look at the, the work that was done on, on Deep Space Nine, what becomes apparent is a group of people who do not feel like they need to do what the original series did in order to accomplish what the original series accomplished. Melodic tricks. Apparently, at one point, Patrick Stewart felt he might be able to actually play on screen himself, although he was delicately pointed out to him Bros Martin that he wasn't up to that standard quite yet. Literary tricks. Peaceable Kingdoms with Dayton Ward. I don't really remember why I was the one chosen to back clean up, other than the fact that I think Margaret, our editor, wanted Picard and the Enterprise E to factor into the final uh, the final installment, and she had already tapped me to write that story. Matter stream. Star Trek Axelar with Alec Peters and Richard Hatch. If you've ever experienced war or any kind of um, conflict where everything is life and death, there's a certain kind of um, resolve, truth, experience that you come to that um, I don't think too many people can understand or ever really, really um, empathize with. And that's what else is happening on Trek.fm. So check out these shows and get in on the Daily Trek Talk. You will find them on iTunes, Stitcher, TuneIn, Windows Phone, Xbox, Zune, or you can stream and download files directly from the website. Just visit trek.fm slash pd for the podcast directory to get all the links. Now, if you'd like to share your thoughts on today's Earl Grey, just go to trek.fm slash contact. From there, you can choose send a show and choose Earl Grey. That will come to all three of us by email. You can also use the tab on the right-hand side of any page to send us a voicemail using your webcam's microphone. And you can talk to us and our listeners on our forums at trek.fm slash forums. In social media, you'll find us on Facebook at facebook.com slash trek.fm and on Twitter under username trek.fm. Now, before we go, I'd like to ask you to please support our sponsors who make it possible for us to bring Earl Grey and the other shows here to you each week. Audible.com is a great way for you to read all the books you've wanted to read but just never had the time for. Audible is the premier source for audiobooks with more than 150,000 titles to choose from and new titles coming every week. From classics to current bestsellers, Audible has something for everyone. There are many next-generation books available, including The Devil's Heart, read by Gates McFadden, and Q and Law, read together by both John DeLancey and Majel Barrett. As a Trek.fm listener, you can get a free audiobook of your choice, along with a 30-day trial, to see just how great Audible is. So give it a try today, catch up on all those classic books that you've yet to read, or that latest novel from your favorite author as well. Just go to audibletrial.com slash trek.fm and sign up today. And we thank you and Audible for supporting Earl Grey and Trek FM. Also, help us continue to bring Earl Grey to you each week by getting your alien badges and art prints, featuring original illustration by Tobu Ushi. You'll find them at trek.fm slash donate. And your support helps us to pay for the cost of production, hosting, and bandwidth that's needed to bring this show to you each week. Now, if uh, people want to discuss your uh, phaser... EM band regeneration tactics, uh, Philip, where would they find you? They can find me, Darren, at sleep, Darren. 
Sleep. <laughs> I mean, they can find me at on. Is that of an underscore? <laughs> <laughs> they can find me on Twitter at NC Public Servant. That's NC like North Carolina. And what about you, Daniel? If people uh, want to learn about your barrel roll maneuvers, uh, how would they? How would they reach? I you? do barrel roll quite a bit on Twitter. Um, so it would be one up Dan. That is the number one, not the word. Is that because you're an individual, Dan, not not a member of the collective? Exactly, yeah. He is Dan of one. <laughs> exactly right. <Yep. laughs> and if you want to find me on Twitter, I'm at Dr. Sci-Fi. That's D-R-S-C-I-F-I. And you can also listen to me on my other podcast, The Dr. Sci-Fi Show, which is available on iTunes. Well, I just got the Battle of Wolf 359 documentary downloaded from Starfleet. Uh, oh, is that... Is that too soon? Too soon. It's too yeah. soon, isn't it? Okay. Uh, well, I'll be in my quarters. Uh, live long and prosper. I think it's so. Engage. Fire. <laughs>